A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Welcome to the Locavore Podcast. I'm Roz White and this podcast is about getting into the stories, to dig deep into the stories, into the families, into the lives of the people that produce our beautiful local products across the Sunshine Coast that we stock in our White's IGA stores. Kenilworth is nestled in the hinterland between the beautiful Sunshine Coast beaches and the rolling hills of the magnificent Mary Valley and it is the home of Kenilworth Dairies. But it was first opened in 1952 and owned and operated by Kraft Cheese and the factory then specialised in bulk cheese until the 1990s and then a handful of highly skilled cheesemakers created a co-op and purchased the factory which became Kenilworth Cheese. Then, in 2017, fourth-generation dairy farmer John Cochran bought Kenilworth Cheese and renamed it Kenilworth Dairies, transforming it, his passion for dairy farming into something amazing and to, more importantly, actually find a way of supporting and ensuring the survival of local farmers in the region. Kenilworth Dairies produces a range of magnificent award-winning products, which is the part of the this story of this amazing family business. Their products include cheese, mousse, yogurts, milk, and the awards are absolutely broad and quite amazing. But I am delighted to have John Cochran with me today on our podcast. So welcome, John. Well, thank you, Ros. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you and thank you for being my very first guest. Oh, it's or honor. very first victim, perhaps. <laughs> hey? But your story is amazing, John. You have so, so much to share. And uh, I, every time you and I catch up, we would just talk the leg off an iron pot, don't we? We certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and maybe it's that deep-rooted sort of connection that we both grew up on the land and we had similar childhoods and similar similar sort of um, youth, I guess. But you're originally from Kinkin, which is just uh, north of the beautiful Noosa area on the Sunshine Coast, to your parents, Alan and Mavis. That's right. Uh, Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit more about your childhood and growing up on dairy farms is what I understand, and maybe how that has impacted on your life today and where you are and all that you have achieved. Well, it did have a big impact. Yeah, read a Kinkin, went to Wapunga School. Only a dozen or 15 kids went there. Mm. It was a place to go. It wasn't seen as education then. Yeah. But the farm, I was always destined to be a dairy farmer. Yeah. You know, I only said to mum about two months ago, I said, how on earth did you rear five of us? Yeah. And she said, well, Russell would get out of bed and go and jump on the tractor or the truck or something, mm. and you'd get out and go down to the cows. Yep. Uh, went with my grandfather a lot. I was very, very fortunate. Dad's parents lived on the farm. Um, and mum's parents only live five miles away, both farmers. Mm. And I've got two brothers and two sisters, um, built a marvellous camaraderie between one another. Yeah. Mum and dad honestly believe they're put in this earth to feed people. Yeah. And that was, that's, that's I really do believe that, and mm. that was instilled in us. Um, I've got 14 nieces, uh, 19 14 nieces and nephews, and 14 of us are farmers. So, wow. you know, it, it's in our blood. Yeah. Um, but as a kid, um, yeah, we milked cows and fed calves and fed pigs and 
Lots of early mornings. Lots of early mornings. Yeah, yeah. and cold. Was it cold? Cold. Like, you know, you sort of get up and you sort of think dairy farming, you're getting, getting up at 4am and it's mm. chilly and you've got to <laughs> go and get the cows. You've probably got no shoes on. You're standing in cow patties. We did. Yeah. We did, did you do that to warm your feet? You we know, so. absolutely <laughs> did. We'd go for the cows of a morning and we had a flat farm that flooded. So floods have been a part of my life as well. But we'd go down the flat and we'd chase a cow up. And, of course, you know what you do first. And you'd run over and stand in that warm cow pack. Oh, yeah, yeah. To keep your feet warm. Absolutely. Yeah, it made you grow, didn't it? Like you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of natural immunities, yeah. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, so that was a, you know, people, you talk to people about that today and they think, oh, yuck. But that's what we did. Oh, no, absolutely. I completely, yeah. totally resonate with that. And I think, you know, the freedom, that carefree lifestyle. Yeah, sure, we worked hard, didn't we? Because yeah. that was the, the, you know, the expectation of a family on the farm. It's not easy. It's hard work. But there's a sense of freedom, isn't there? And a sense of, and I think it really grounds you in life and teaches you and that grounding upbringing or the grounding childhood, but that sense of freedom, it just gives you a whole different approach to life, I think. Do you think that that's influenced the way you handle business and how it's, you know, maybe helped you to create what you have today, which is, you know, not just Kenilworth Dairies, but so many more other accomplishments. But I guess the meaning behind Kenilworth Dairies and why you wanted to buy Kenilworth Dairies and create what it is today. You know, when I mentioned before about, you know, there was a strong purpose behind your motivation to buy Kenilworth Dairies. That was to keep dairy farmers in the local region, have a sustainable industry to maintain, to allow them to continue and to be viable and to produce beautiful quality fresh milk here in Queensland or on the Sunshine Coast. Do you think it's part of your childhood that's actually given you that purpose and, and giving you so much meaning behind, you know, what you're actually doing. Absolutely. You know, when we were kids on the farm, we, we learnt to look after one another and treat one another like you'd like to be treated yourself. Mm. And I think that's a real grounding on farms. And providing food for the nation is just a thing that, that gives you um, a really nice feeling. Mm. We always had this feeling that, you want to do something for the other farmers and, and, and get them a better living. Mm. Because farming is very, very tough. Mm. Um, my mum and dad's charter was to feed and clothe us and teach us right from wrong and look after others and all those sorts of things. So that grounding just grows with you as you grow through. Mm. And being involved in boards, it was instinctive for you to want to help them. Yeah. And that's why I've sort of gone the way I've gone, I think, mm. uh, beside my love for cows and love for the dairy yeah. industry. Yeah, because you mm. had a um, high-level involvement. I think you were the chairman of the Paul's uh, right. Milk. And so you've been at a high leadership advocacy level of your industry and uh, made a wonderful contribution in that way as well. But you understand from a grassroots level the importance of of supporting primary production in this country uh, all the way through. So now you are a primary producer in another way, apart from being a dairy farmer, you're mm. producing in another way, manufacturing milk and milk products. And you understand that basically from top to bottom, don't you? So it, it's I'm sure that that has had an influence as well to to your decision to actually acquire and invest millions of dollars in a, in a production factory 
and introduce a new line, which was how we met the non-homogenised mm. milk yeah. Yeah. in 2017. So how has that kind of, you know, that's part of your incredible story, all of the background and that history. How has that sort of shaped Kenilworth Dairies today? Because you've made some big changes. Yeah, we have. Um, and, you know, times change and you must change with them. Yeah, I was on the board at, um, at Premier Milk, which is a group of farmers that supplied pulse. I was on the board for 31 years, um, and I did 10 years of representing farmers at the QDO. I've qualified as a cattle judge and judged around the country. So I travelled with my grandfather, doing those, you know, learning, and, and a lot with my grandfather and dad. And I can remember when I left school, all I wanted to be is a dairy farmer. And you were probably, oh, you might not remember this. I'm a little older than you, was. <laughs> <laughs> but Britain joined the European Common Market, and farmers collapsed everywhere. Mm. And I can remember the sheer hurt involved. And one of those hurts was that I had to leave the farm and become a butcher. Yeah, wow. Because they'd eat. You wear many hats, don't you? <laughs> well, I had two, well, you know, Margaret and I had two shops in Gippie, two butcher shops in Gippie. But it was a means to get back to farming. And I can remember there was a clearing sale, just to let you know how tough those years were. There was a clearing sale at Cedar Pocket. And this guy had to sell everything because mm. he'd had hard times. He had to sell his furniture, his shooks, the works. Mm. And the fully grown Jersey bull made $4. Wow. And the rooster made 5 Wow. So then I had to leave the farm because I'd eat, and that's yeah. when I became a butcher. But when we sold the shops, I really wanted to go back dairying. And I can remember the first dairy meeting I went to, Dad was sitting up the front on the board. And I clearly remember sitting in that, in that crowd of people and saying to myself, because I'd walked through the car park, and I was looking at all the old broken-down cars and these farmers were very, very, very tired people. They were working to try and stay alive and stay in business. And I remember sitting in that, that night at uh, the Civic Centre in Gympie and I promised myself there and then that I would do my best to change the dairy industry and try and give these people a better living. Wow. Mm. Wow, that's a lifelong commitment and ambition, isn't it? Aspiration, which you're, you're fulfilling. So that must make you feel, you know, you're probably the type of man that just gets on and does things. But do you reflect on that? That Do you feel that you are achieving those aspirations that you had three, four decades ago? Yeah, I do. I really enjoyed my time representing farmers at the QDO and, and Paul's Farmers. I really enjoyed that. It was tough, really tough, because... You know, when it comes to getting mar- profit margins, you know, it seems to be the, the softest people that get hit, and that's the farmers. So it was really tough doing that. And I could feel myself losing uh, momentum because things had changed, dairy deregulation and dollar mm. litre milk and all those things were coming in, which was much bigger than I could do. Yeah. And I realised that if I was going to do anything, I'd have to do it on a way that I had control of it. So I thought when Kenilworth came up, I mm. thought maybe this is the way. Absolutely. Mm. Leading by example, John. And I think, you know, the dairy industry has lost in Queensland alone oh. 
thousands of dairy farms. There used to be little dairy farms that sustained many families right across all of our rural regions, right throughout Queensland. When I was a kid growing up, there were multiple dairy farms and Mm. now there's just the odd one or two. And it is frightening and it uh, was precipitated by milk, you know, the the, you know, unfair prices um, at Farmgate. Probably many other factors as well and life does change, you know, Mm. as you said, Mm. we were speaking earlier about, you know, being your mum and dad being able to raise a family, um, you know, on a dairy farm that, you know, quite possibly families can't do now and, and things change and, and um, we have to go and look forward, not back. That's right. Um, but, you know, it's it's terrific that you have been able to actually do something to change uh, the the trajectory maybe of some of the demise of an industry which is so important on so many levels. Oh, and and that is very true. Um, I I often relate, um, think about the dairy industry and where the best place to dairy and all that sort of stuff is. And people say to me quite often, you know, you you shouldn't dairy in Queensland. You know, that's for pineapples, bananas, and avocados and things. And and um, you should dairy in Victoria. There is a, a bit of that that's true. Mm. But don't tell me that the people in Queensland do not deserve the right to have quality, fresh milk on their doorstep. Mm. They don't particularly. And mm. if they knew, they, they don't really want it banging up the highway. Mm. They want it, you know, 12 hours after yeah. it's came out of the cow and processed and on the doorstep or mm. in, their, in your shop. So um, the industry has had some huge changes. Um, I can remember one seven two thousand. We thought, you know, deregulation of the industry was was going to wreck us, and it did. We went from fifteen hundred and forty five farmers. We now got less than two seventy. Mm. I, I, one of my passions was to. Um, I was really concerned about the price people were getting for dairy cows. Yeah, because it was based off the beef industry. So I set up auctioneering. Actually, I'm an auctioneer. Mm. Another hat. <laughs> How many hats have we got now? <laughs> <laughs> but I did it out of a pure desire to get people what their cows are worth because I'd spent a lot of time breeding and having genetics. And those genetics running up the crush at the meatworks was just gone. Yeah. And not too many people understood the dairy, a proper dairy cow. Yeah. And the so what, of, what, what's your breed that you run? Well, I used to do like Holsteins. I was reared on jerseys. Yeah. But because the consumers, um, and this is a bit of a fault of farmers, I think, you know, people say, oh, I milk jerseys because I love them. Yeah. I milk Frisians because I love them. Yeah. But what we didn't do is consult the consumer and say, what milk do you want? Mm. So now um, I get a mixture of milk, you know, some browns with some Frisians, some Jersey, yeah. to get a milk that people want. Mm. And if you, that's what you got to do. You've got to please your customer. You surely do. Let the customer decide. That's right. So what are they saying they want? You tried a non-homogenised milk, mm. and which is the Kenilworth Dairies milk, which yes. uh, we proudly sell in our White's IGA <laughs> stores on the Sunshine Coast, and yeah. we love doing that because that's a you know that's the local philosophy, you know, mm. supporting local farmers. That's great in our region. And so, what is what what, what are the consumers saying about yeah. your non-homogenized milk, and where do you think that's going in the future? What are consumers telling you now? Um, pe- the people, the, the older people that understand the cream on top, absolutely love it, um, and it's the milk that you and I read on. You know, put it in the fridge, the cream would come to the top and mm. we'd shake it up and, mm. you know, and beautiful and sweet. Um, but 80% of the people like homogenised milk. Mm. Now, if you talk to a naturopath, 
he'll say to you, drink pasteurised only, not full cream milk. Mm. Because, it, you know, you smash the cream up and it dissipates and it's all through the milk. However, 80% people wanting homogenising, so we're going to go into that now as well. So our plant arrives at the end of this month. Fantastic. So um, so we're going into homogenised milk as well. Wow. Yeah. Of course you are. Please the customer. That's yeah. what they want. I, well, you have to. You yes. totally have to understand where the customer's going and try and get there before them, yeah, if you can, true. before yeah. your competitors. So, John, you have a few mottos that you live by that obviously you've accumulated over many, many years and things that you've learnt and through business, obviously through lots of trials and tribulations. And um, so... Tell us about those <laughs> mottos that you live by each day. I'll tell you this little story. I believe, you know, attitude determines altitude. Mm. Now, if you believe you can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And if you believe you can't, you can't. Mm. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. But it came up one day at the board at Paul's. The manager of the factory and the other four directors were sitting there one morning and I arrived late. Mm. They're sitting there clicking their pens and um, Ken Cohallan great bloke, Ken, he said to me, what's your motto to life? Mm. And I said, attitude determines altitude. Mm. And I sat down. Um, the next board meeting I went to, there's a plaque up on the wall, attitude determines altitude, JC. Wow. wow. <laughs> but that afternoon, I will never forget him pulling me aside. And he said, you know, what are you going to do with your life? I said, what do you mean? He said, what are you going to do? He said, all you do is run and work. Mm. You must have a goal. And my goal was to buy the farm I bought. Mm. And because I had this positive attitude, and Ken was a very, very positive guy, Saturday morning he turned up on the farm. And I thought, oh, gosh, what's wrong? There's something wrong with my milk. So when I said g'day, I said, what's wrong? He said, should there be something? And I said, he said, no. I said, oh, well, come on in. Anyway, we chatted and had a cup of tea. And um, in the end he said, I'm here to talk to you about your future. Mm. He said, what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to buy Goomong. Mm. That was the best farm, one of the best farms in Queensland. Mm. He said, I'm here to tell you you can. Wow. Isn't that awesome? And it was those few words that inspired me to go to the bank, one and a half million dollars, and I borrowed the lot. Wow. What year was that, John? Um, that was in 1993. 93, yeah. Yep. You just and, come, uh, yeah. That was probably the end of the high, high, high interest rates maybe. You're probably Ugh. still playing pretty high interest in that in well, 93. Well, we were. Yeah. We absolutely were. Mm. So, um, yeah, we are inspired. You know, Margaret and I said, well, we want to be dairy farms. We want to be the best and we want to have the great farm. So we just went and did it. Yeah. But it was those few words. Yeah. It was amazing just... What can drive you sometimes. What can trigger something and actually put you on a new trajectory. Absolutely. Attitude determines altitude. Attitude determines altitude. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful, isn't it? I know you'll have more than just one, John, (laughs) knowing John Cochran. (laughs) Well, there is a few things you learn. Don't go anywhere empty-handed. Even if from your bedroom when you get up in the morning you've had a cup of tea and had it on the side of the bed, just take the cup with you. Yeah. You know? Go into the bathroom, take your dirty clothes and put them in the dirty clothes basket. Can you come and hang out with my kids for a while, please? (laughs) But if you could teach all the kids that, put your toys back, Mm. you know. Don't go anywhere empty-handed and put it back. So if you use something, you know, bar and shovel, go down and dig a post hole. When you come home, put it back. Yes. Because you'll know where it is next time. And or somebody else that's relying on it knows also where to get it. That's exactly right. Yes. Now... I'll have to get you to teach my husband these things as well. <laughs> he likes to find new homes for things. 
He, his brain and my brain work in two different ways. <laughs> That's why you get on so well. <laughs> but another one, do it once and do it right. Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in that. And building the factory, we're doing it once and we're doing I it right. I agree, yeah. And it and, might cost yeah. you a bit more to invest, but it'll save you a lot more in save the long run. Save in the long run. And I think the key to your own personal life is treat others like you'd like to be treated. Yeah. I really do think if you stick with those four things, um, you'll be a success in life. Do you think sometimes society can forget some of those really oh, important lessons? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think being reared in a little community um, and as farmers, you learnt to look after one another and that never ever leaves you. Yeah. As soon as you start thinking you're better than the rest, it's all over, driver. I agree. Mm. 100%. No, so you, you can't believe that. You've got to treat everybody yep. for who they are. Yeah. And we're all different. Yeah. And you just need and to And respect, respect those differences. Respect the differences. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yep. And celebrate the differences because yep. if we were all the same. Oh. Eh? It'd be a boring world, wouldn't it? Well, it would. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about a day in a life of a dairy farmer. So set yeah. that an alarm. Yes. Whatever time it is before yes. the chooks wake up. It is. And yeah, <laughs> and tell, just walk us through a day, so we can understand a little bit of more about how this a magnificent, beautiful milk that lands on our table mm. and we don't really mm. think about how it got there, but the hard work and the commitment and the dedication required by our beautiful, amazing farmers that allow us mm. to drink beautiful, quality, fresh milk. Well, you've absolutely got to be dedicated. Yeah. Totally dedicated. It's not wealth creation. Mm. You know, you've got to love what you do. Now, we always, we milked a lot of cows, um, and we're always up by 3 o'clock in the morning, every mm. morning. That's well before chookies. That's well before the chookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we would do that so we could get our cows milked and the milk chilled so we could get it at the factory early as possible. So we'd, we'd get up and we'd get the cows milked. Um, we'd feed the calves. And what people have probably don't really realise is that we breed all those cows. Yeah. And we rear them from calves through. Sure. So they are our mates. Yeah. Um, it's no different to someone's dog to them. Yeah. But just because we've got a few hundred of them. Sure. We knew them all by name. Yeah. We knew what, they, what their mothers yeah. were and what their, what their size were. Beautiful. Um, happy cows. Uh, That's what Kenilworth Dairies has, happy cows. Happy they? cows. Happy and cows. happy cows produce better quality milk. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Um, and if you had an upset animal, well, well as a mother, yeah. you would know what it's like yeah. rearing a baby. Yeah. So it's that love and that Absolutely. nurturing. Yeah, beautiful. If you don't treat your cattle right yeah. and treat your land right, um, you will be behind the eight ball. Sure. And if you didn't strive to produce the best quality grass for them, how are you ever going to get milk and yeah. good quality milk out yeah. of it? So you've got to be dedicated and you've got to be everything as a farmer. Yeah. You've got to be a, a, a dairy farmer. You've got to be a vet. You've got to be a, a mechanic. You know, you've got to be an agronomist. All those things, you've got to be bits of everything sure. to survive. And this is why we have to shine a light on our primary producers mm. in our country so people do have that awareness. They do understand that, you know, uh, I love farmers. Hey, my Good. daddy yeah. was a grazier, so yeah. you know, <laughs> I grew, I'm a farm girl. I <laughs> yeah. love farmers and I have a great respect for primary producers. And it is, it's hard work, it's toil. And, um, yeah. and I think it is important for people to understand the love that goes into creating 
uh, beautiful quality products. Well, it is love. And if you don't fully engulf yourself in that business, you just will not survive. Like it's a way of life, isn't it, it John? Is. It's not it a is. job. It's 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 more than a vocation or a, or a, it's a lifestyle and it's a way of life, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and and um, it's very difficult. Like, see, my son, who is a mad cricketer, and he's quite good. That's Dad talking, of course. But he would go to cricket Saturdays, and he's playing cricket with these. Chaps that are working in the mines, getting 120, 150,000 a year. He's out of bed at two o'clock on cricket mornings yeah. to get his cows milked mm. and get them on good feed, yeah. and then fly into cricket and play cricket all day, and yeah. then get home to play to, to yeah. milk again. Yeah. And he's going through all this stress, mm. and he's seeing his mates getting all this money. Mm. It's it's you've got to be prepared to block all that other out and yeah. be dedicated to your job. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is why there's so many people disappearing. When I um, when I was a kid, we didn't have the peer pressure. Yeah. Every kid I went to school with was a dairy farmer. Yeah. Or a farmer of some yeah. kind. Yeah. And there was no peer pressure. No. But today, and no shoes you, either. No shoes. We, <laughs> we, we, I never had a pair of shoes. We didn't have shoes. No. You know, I think the school uh, uniform was shorts, um, shirt optional. Yeah. <laughs> oh, intriguing days, wasn't it? Yeah, but now I tell you what, probably the best, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so mm. take me back. So you, you get up at 3 a.m. before yep. the chooks and milk your beautiful cows and then the big truck comes in, yep. your milk's fresh, and off it goes. So like in this case, it would go to your Kenilworth Dairies factory yeah. and then... Just so we can understand when that's on our when that beautiful milk is on our table and in our cereal bowl or in our coffee, yes, comes into the vats and then yes. you're processing it yep. and bo- bottling it. Like, what is the time frame from when it is milked to when oh. it's bottled? Basically, into one of our White Sage yeah stores mm. or any other store that you, you, where you stock it, and then on your dinner table. Like, what would you be looking at for a time period? Okay, the aim is as short as possible. Yeah. Move it as least as possible. Move. <laughs> move, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John. Yeah, we don't, we, you know, the more you pump milk, the more you move milk, yeah. um, the more it deteriorates. Mm. So we're not far from our factory, so we're not sloshing around in tankers for long. Mm. Um, we want it there within 12 to 24 hours. Yeah. So then we will bottle it. That As soon as it gets there, we bottle it. Yeah. Now, as soon as it's bottled, we pick up Ros White's <laughs> order um, and, um, and dispatch it ASAP. And, of course, what that does also is extends the life of the milk, gives you as long as possible for, for your customer to buy it and put it in their fridge. The other thing is the way we treat it on the farm also gives it that extra life. So I think this is a bit of the difference with having quality local products. Yeah, absolutely, John. And what I also mm. love about the product, it's sustaining local families and local farmers yeah. and local communities. It's fresher than fresh quality yeah. product. Yeah. And it's low food miles, so it's planet friendly. Yes. It's only travelled the least amount of miles, say yeah. from Kenilworth to Pridgin Beach or Bly Bly, you know, that's uh, less than an hour. Yeah. So it's it's produced, bottled on your dinner table within, say, a 48-hour period. True. And and look, the more you travel milk, the, the less the quality, you lose the lipase and things like that. So if you can get it and keep it, get it chilled early through the factory quickly, Processed and to the IGA store, IGA store, um, people have access to it, and they, and it, it honestly is sweeter and better milk. Yeah, it, really it is, is, and I can attest to that. 
So, John, your beautiful uh, Kenilworth Dairies milk, plus your other beautiful products. You've got yogurt and cheese mm. and mousse, which is all award-winning. So you've had enormous range, and that's got yeah. an enormous that, – that, you know, you send those products right out across Australia through, yeah. you know, not just IGA stores, but they're going out through, um, you know, Coles, Woolworths. True. And, yeah. um, which is absolutely fantastic. What a great brand that you have. But what is it about, for instance, your, Kenil, your Kenilworth Dairies milk, which is what you have introduced into the range? which is a direct uh, comes directly from your passion and you know your background as a dairy farmer what would you like to tell consumers or listeners about that makes your your milk products so amazing and so special maybe it's what we don't do maybe um, it's very very fresh and you know as well as I do fresh milk tastes that much better mm. so it's not trucking it heaps of miles. It's not interfering with it when you get it at the factory. It's putting it out as wholesome milk. We will not change Mm -hmm. the quality of the milk that comes out of the cow to go in the bottle because that's the key. So uh, customers are being able to access a raw whole product, as raw and as whole as they can possibly get to the milk coming out of the udder. I don't know how you could do any better. Yeah. Wow, and I mean that. What we, a great, what a great yeah. statement to be able to stand by. Yeah, I isn't think so. that fantastic? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, and you know what? What is really, really nice. This might sound funny, mm. but I walk into your store and see Kenilworth milk there, and I think, wow, yeah, that's my milk. Yeah. And yeah. to see somebody walking out with it, oh. it just gives you that tingle. It yeah. does. Oh, that's it's, absolutely mm. amazing. Yeah, I know yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it is. Absolutely. It is awesome. Yeah. Yep. That's why yeah. I love what I do yeah, right. because yeah. I have the privilege of actually being able to offer that yeah. to our community through our stores. Yeah, oh, look, I can fully understand what you're saying. Yeah, I really can. It is, yep. and that's why mm. it's such a great respectful you know, mm-hmm. relationship that we have because yeah. I respect what you're doing and what you're creating. Yeah, I and it's, I feel it as a privilege to, yeah. to be able to offer that to yeah. That people have that choice too, and and it is a good feeling because like I am a farmer, and I relate to a lot of farmers. Yeah, and as a group, yeah, we really do appreciate seeing our products in there, um, in the IJ store. Yeah, with local. Yeah, and we feel we feel for that. You yeah. know, there's special feelings yeah. with all of us. We we talk yeah. and yeah. yeah. Oh no, I know. Mm. I love it. I feel it too. Mm. John, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so mm. much. I've loved hearing more about your background and how it really has impacted on what you're producing today and into the future. And I know that'll just continue to grow and I can't wait to keep discovering new amazing products from Kenilworth Dairy so that we can deliver them to our customers and our community. But also... In the uh, in the process, support each other, support our mm. community, support the farmers, and support families in our region. So thank you for all that you do, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh well, it's certainly been a pleasure for me, and thanks for the invite. A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised, or produced locally. This is the Locavore podcast, brought to you by White's IGA.